All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am here with my good pal, Anilo Piro, over at Mile High Sports. We're vibing right now. It's going to be a great time. Uh, if you're listening to this on the YouTube side or the audio side, welcome. This is also going to air on the radio side in hour two of Anilo and Cody. Uh, make sure to go check that out. Mile High Sports, 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, that's always a weekly show that or every every day of the week that they do. Uh, we all uh, contribute here at Mile High Sports. We've got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of great stuff, so make sure to check that out. We're doing some cross-promotion here today, and I'm yeah. very excited about that. Uh, Anilo, how are you, my friend? A lot of stuff to, I think, cover in hangover takes from game two. Yes, uh, I am feeling all right. I think I'm feeling a little bit better than some Nuggets fans. Uh, I was telling you before the show that I ended up driving a buddy to the game last night and, and the entire day. He's been texting me about it. feels like I just got broken up with. His stomach is in knots. Uh, he's not feeling good. I was on Twitter this morning. There's a lot of people not feeling good. Uh, after a game two loss for the Denver Nuggets. But uh, my friend, you and I were in attendance last night uh, covering the game for Mile High Sports. And, uh, you know, we can try to be the voice of reason because I personally don't think that game two is the end of the world. Uh, you know, you and I were talking about it. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of adversity that Denver's going to have to face. So I'm all right, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm all right. I, I came home. I, I finished up writing. I recorded the pod and then I played some chess and it was, it was definitely not the, it's not the worst thing in the world. And I, I think Nuggets fans, uh, obviously you're living life and death on, on, on a cliff's edge when, when games like this happen. And I don't think everybody, and nobody was really expecting Denver to lose because they hadn't lost. I think that Denver, the, the story of this game, and then we'll go through it a little bit in this first segment was that they took Miami's first punch like they have against so many other teams in game twos in these playoffs, and then they ultimately prevailed. And I, I think Nuggets fans were assuming by the end that they would still find a way, and they just didn't. And, and now it's a series as a result. But, hey, uh, Denver's had a, a relatively low-pressure playoff run up until this point. So, hey, now Nuggets fans get to get to feel the pressure like other teams so far this year. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, I mean, I actually had them winning last night. Like I'm a little surprised that they lost just because of how they have been at home. And I know we'll kind of dive into why that happened and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, the effort I think was questionable, but, uh, but I'm kind of of the belief that, you know, maybe this is that wake up call. You know, I mean, it's been a long time since they've lost a game in the playoffs, let alone a game at home. Sometimes you need that bad taste in your mouth to, you know, get you up again, get you moving forward. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of different dynamics, but you know, it is the NBA finals and, and the, I go back, I actually tweeted it out from the Mile High Sports Twitter account this morning. The the quote that Malone gave us right before the series started about, this is going to be the hardest challenge of our lives. You know, we're going to have to stare the face of adversity. I forget exactly what he said, but something along those lines. Right. And if anybody thought that the NBA Finals, regardless of the opponent, would be as easy, which I'm surprised it was, the first three rounds, you're tripping. So I'm not surprised that they are now staring in the face of adversity, going to Miami 1-1. Sometimes it happens, and and like like we talked about, Nuggets, uh, they they just have, have had a relatively easy run up until this point. Now you get to figure out who you are. Now you get to figure out a little bit about yourselves, and and see whether this was all fake. Like, and and I I don't think that it is. I think that I really believe in what this group is. But now we get to talk about it. Now we get to really dissect it a little bit, and then see see what they're made of on the road. So it should be very fun, but. 
tell you what, let's go through kind of the game flow of this of this first game. It's going to kind of set up some of the questions that we have. Uh, just rewatching the game back this morning. Uh, first thing that really stands out here is Denver. They they took the first punch from Miami. Miami goes up ten to two at the beginning of the game. It, it felt like Denver was climbing uphill for for a lot of that first quarter, and then the second quarter hits and Denver's up ten. They're up twelve. Like they're in a really great spot, even with Jokic on the bench, and it just felt like Denver had control at that point. And I think the Nuggets may have thought. Yeah, they're probably like we're we're good. We're 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 perfectly fine at, at this stage of the game. What what was your what's your recollections of that first half and then kind of how it went for Denver? Yeah, I mean it, it's funny because it seems like the bench is usually the the talking point of negativity, or you know that's the the unit that lets the lead dwindle down to single digits or whatever it might be. And you know I was actually listening to last night's episode of Pick Action Roll, and I thought she hit the nail on the head of the bench unit did their job. You know, Jeff Green gave you some nice minutes. Uh, Christian Brown, nice minutes. Uh, Bruce Brown, you know, feisty, scrappy in the minutes in which he played. It was the starters that really failed to kind of jump out of the gate. You know, and I know Michael Malone, that was a massive talking point for him, uh, you know, after the game about how are we questioning effort in the NBA Finals. And I mean, I, I agree in the sense of bad start. And believe it or not, it was like the bench was able to slap the Band-Aid on the wound. Like, you know, Christian Brown came in and gave them just a ton of energy off the bench. Uh, which I thought was impressive to see considering how he kind of struggled in that Lakers series. I mean, now two games in a row in the finals, limited minutes, but in those minutes, uh, playing good defense, you know, hustling, you know, and he knocked out a couple of tough layups last night as well. So um, it, it, they just look disengaged. And I know Michael Porter Jr. Is, is a massive talking point with some of the shot selection. Like I saw on Twitter, there was like that free shot of him shooting the jump shot at the elbow with like four players wide open around him. Uh, I thought KCP played his worst game of the playoffs last night as well, just some bad fouls. Um, just look, they, they just look out of sync. And I saw the other stat earlier today that what are they? 0-3 this postseason now when Nikola Jokic, I believe, scores 40 plus points in a playoff game. Right. I know they lost the game against Phoenix and whatnot. So, you know, the first half to me, they got out to a lazy start, unenergetic. The bench kind of made up for it, built them a nice lead, and they just weren't able to carry that over uh, into the second half. But you also got to give credit where credit is due, my friend. Miami knocked down their shots. They absolutely did. And it was it was a pretty visceral experience. I'm not going to lie. I, I there, <laughs> there's a lot of things to to kind of go into it, but like you mentioned, bench bench did their job. Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon in those minutes, I thought were pretty good too. They each hit threes. Uh, mm-hmm. Jamal set the table pretty well. Uh, but as a unit, the stars were terrible, and this is this is kind of where I want to flow into it. Uh, MPJ minus 15 in 26 minutes last night. Uh, KCP minus 14. He had the the three point shooting fouls, multiple of them. It was bad, and and just just he fouled out of the game, and just overall looked very frustrated and and rattled a little bit by the officiating. That's just never a good sign when when the guy who has your championship experience on your team is the guy who's getting rattled. So he's got to be better than that. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, and then like, I thought that Murray in the starter minutes wasn't great until the end. Like he he definitely picked it up at that point, but there there were some things that I was a little bit concerned about. Uh, Aaron Gordon was fine. Hard to really complain about his night uh, matching up with Jimmy Butler. Uh, but Michael Porter, I mean, we're, we're going to have to talk about him a little bit more in the second segment extended. But it, it just feels like this was the other side of the coin where, sure, in game one, if you if you don't get all the shooting, but you get all the other stuff, then you're OK. Like you're, you're definitely OK with what Mike is giving you. 
if you get no shooting and then you get none of the other stuff too. And, and he just looked flustered and frazzled and uh, wasn't making the right plays. There was, there was a lot of miscommunications there. A lot of missed, uh, missed rebounding opportunities too. I, I thought that those were, those were pretty ugly. Uh, there's a lot there that Denver's going to have to figure out with Mike. The game after we kind of get that unsung praise from Malone about like, you don't got to talk about Michael Porter Jr. when he has a great defensive night. You know, it happens to be the next game that it's kind of bad all across the board, whether it was the offense. He also just kind of looked off on defense, you know, missing assignments, um, not switching the right way. Just, I don't want to say disengaged because, I mean, there were moments where he looked disengaged, but he almost just kind of looked confused out there. And I think that's kind of the, the concern, I guess you could say, because we know that's not who Michael Porter Jr. is. And, I don't know. Malone came out after the game and was talking about we can't feel sorry for ourselves. And I wonder who he was talking about with that comment. Oh, I, I, have a, I have a pretty strong old. suspicion I know who he's talking about, unfortunately. So it, it's one of those where you need better play out of Mike. And, and you know, he he's the third player, and we talked about it earlier with Nicola. When, when, and I know we'll talk about this dynamic earlier, but when he's the one having to do the scoring, it, it really helps get – or it, it, it prevents the other players from getting going with the way that Miami was you know, able to attack them in the bad shots last night. But the Nuggets play their best where everybody's getting good looks. And Mike threw up some threes last night, threw up some jump shots that maybe weren't the best, best high-quality looks. And I think you know whichever way you slice it, it prevented him from getting into that rhythm and flow. So he's going to have to improve into game three and beyond. What is he, three for 17 from beyond the arc? That's uncharacteristic yeah. for him as well. Um, but whichever way you slice it, I mean, he's a max contract player. He's got to play better. Just got to do it. Um, There's a talking point about Nikola Jokic being made into more of a passer that we'll, we'll also expand a little bit more on in the second segment. But I just want to make sure to credit Joker. He was brilliant. He was awesome. Just seeing some of the plays that he was making and even some of the plays that weren't converted as assists, he was making great passes. It just didn't happen as a... Uh, I think the, the team just kind of let him down a little bit in terms of the, the actual shots that they were trying to hit. Uh, it, it was a, it was more about Jokic being awesome and the team kind of letting him down in my mind than anything that Miami was doing. I tend to agree. And, you know, there was that video that went around after about, you know, Spolstra being asked about like, you know, do you try to make Jokic a scorer? So that essentially, you know, takes away the assists, you know, obviously pretty, what do you finish with three or four assists last night? I want to say, four, four. um, so, you know, Usually we're used to him being six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, to get that triple double, whatever it might be. And, you know, I, I think we, we've seen Nicola be aggressive before. We know that he can score. You know, I believe he, he converted a couple three point shots yesterday as well. But you and I both know, Ryan, that the Nuggets are at their best when they're playing through Jokic and, you know, everyone's kind of getting the share of the sugar. But I mean, he was incredible last night. And, and that's the thing. He had that one kind of one-handed pass to Aaron Gordon that he kind of like reverse jam slam layup thing. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's one of those situations where every time I watch him and we're so fortunate to cover him and have covered him since the start of his career here, uh, but he's all inspiring, you know, and, and it's nice. Like I was watching ESPN today and, you know, some of these other networks and obviously all the conversations on the heat and whatnot, but those Jokic highlight reels are still in there, man. And it obviously comes up in a loss. We're used to it coming up in a win. Um, and he doesn't care about the individual performance, but once again, just another stellar showing from a back-to-back MVP. And, you know, that's kind of what we expect on a night-in, night-out basis right now. I'm not surprised that he put up a big scoring number. Like, I, I think that the way that the Heat guarded him, it, it, it lended more to that. And he, and he had to do it. Like, he had to put the team on his back a little bit, and that's, that's, that's an important piece of this. But uh, he deserves a lot of credit. He absolutely does for stepping up in that moment. And it, it's too bad that it came in a loss, like you said. But... 
Uh, he's he's going to continue to do that. There's no reason to think that he won't. Like he, he's going to continue to be awesome, and it's on it's on the team right now, and it's on Denver to try to create more passing opportunities and create more easy assist opportunities because what the Heat are doing right now is they're taking away the easy stuff in Denver. They're not converting the hard stuff. So yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. you saw a concerted effort to make life as hard as possible for Jamal Murray last night. Take away yeah. his space, take away his opportunity. And, and look, I know Spolstra basically came out and shut down the notion of we weren't trying to allow Jokic to score, but I think that there was a little bit of that game plan of if you're gonna, you know, the Nuggets are at their best when everybody's involved, and you would li- think back to Game One, and I, it's not the best comparison, but the Nuggets were able to live with Bam Adebayo going off, and he followed up with a great game too, right? I think Miami, hey. Superman can't do it all on his own. Batman needs his Robin. And by taking away Jamal Murray and taking away Michael Porter Jr. and really just, you know, any secondary scoring with some depth, you know, they force Jokic to be an individually great player, which he was last night. But the rising tide that raises all boats, you know, didn't get enough momentum on that front. So the starters have to be better. Jokic was the only starter that came to play from the moment that the game started and didn't get too wrapped up in the officiating as well. Last thing before we hit a break here, um, defensive collapse in the fourth. Yeah. Uh, that was just a, it was a tough one. It was, it was a tough one to watch. And, and I think the stat that, um, John Schumann of NBA.com put out there was that he had, he had it as 36 points scored by Miami on 19 possessions, which, yeah, yikes. That's, that's a, that's a crazy number. It's, it's one of the most efficient quarters of the entire season for any team, regular season or playoffs, let alone just, just in an NBA finals game. And, uh, Denver made it easy. They they did not make it hard for Miami. And then some of the shots that they were giving up, I think, were miscommunications. They were bad efforts. They were not making the extra play. It, it was just like, there's just a lot there. And and sometimes even when Denver was there, uh, like there was a, a three pointer by Jimmy Butler in the corner over the top of Aaron Gordon. That's just one that you got to tip your cap to because it was a great contest by Aaron Gordon and Jimmy just hit it. But that's what the Heat are going to do. They are they are talented enough, I think, to really make Denver. Uh, they're going to have to work even harder than, than what they did. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I, I think the game as a whole was just a stinker. Like whether it was the refs that got into their head early, they weren't feeling it before. I, I don't know what it was, but the energy was just off the entirety of the game. And it felt like a little bit there down the stretch offensively with Jamal coming to life that maybe they could, you know, find that spark. But you know, it starts on the defensive end of the floor. I, I mean, you and I know, like, I know that some people get turned off by Malone with his, uh, you know, big speeches after games and buying in on defense and being repetitive and this and that. But, like, I saw a lot of people, oh, Eric Spolstra masterclass. Malone got out coached. It's not Malone's job to get these guys up to play in the NBA Finals. I like, agree. And I know if you want to talk about the timeout at the end, whatever. But, like, it's on the players to show up. And I mean, Jeff Green after the game last night, basically, it's the bleeping NBA finals. The fact that effort is even in question right now is, is a bit surprising. And if there's anything to be concerned about, it's that. Now, the good thing is you would think effort is much rather correctable than, say, uh, different shooting or defensive schemes. It's simply a matter of will and desire for the most part. Um, you know, but it, it you can't expect to win games like that. And I know that Miami is, you know, a, a make or miss team with the three point shot. And, you know, we saw in game one when they weren't making them versus game two when they were. But to your point, Ryan, Denver didn't really make it all that difficult for Miami to convert these shots. Tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to expand on some of these questions a little bit. There's a lot to cover here, just trying to uh, suss out what the issues were and, and whether these are sustainable issues or not. 
Uh, we will be right back here on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackman here, joined by Anilo Piro over at Mile High Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is hour two of the radio side of things with Anilo and Cody. We are uh, trying something different here, trying to see if, if, if like, just, just doing some interesting cross-promotion, trying to trying to make some things work and, and have some fun with this. Uh, Anilo, let's kind of try to suss out some of these questions here because I, I'm very curious as to whether these things are real, not real, what's actually going to happen for this Nuggets group and, and what we can really expect going forward. First thing I want to talk about, uh, put on my radio hat here. Did the Miami Heat figure out something against Nikola Jokic? Did the Miami Heat figure out how to guard the Denver Nuggets? And is it by turning Nikola Jokic into a scorer only? Did the Miami Heat try to turn Nikola Jokic I guess I have it turn him into a passer here, as the, as it is on the on the actual graphic. On I wish the he was a passer. That's amazing. Uh, wish wish he was a passer here. Uh, let's let's change that here real quick. Did the Miami Heat try to turn Nikola Jokic into a scorer last night? You put the Michael Porter Jr. one up. Of course I did because I'm a really good producer. Here we go. There you go. <laughs> um, I do think they did, and I I know that Spolstra. Kind of clap back. I think it was Ramona Shelburne who asked the question last night after the game. For the record, good question. Good, absolutely. And I, here's the thing: I don't believe Spolstra. I, I know, I know he's talking about he's a great player. You can't just force him one way or the other. I agree with that. But if you're Spolstra, and I'm not an NBA aficionado, I watch the games just like you do, right? You got to make the Nuggets. You got to make it so they can't beat you their way. And what, what would we just talk about in the first segment, Ryan? The Nuggets are at their best when everybody's getting a piece of the action. MPJ three, KCP corner three, Aaron Gordon lob dunk, uh, Jamal Murray off the pick and roll, whatever it might be. If I'm Eric Spolstra, and what is the one criticism of Nikola Jokic sometimes? He's not aggressive enough. He doesn't score enough. You know, he's not that, that dynamic leader on the court in regards to get out of my way and let me cook. You know he's at his best when people are playing free-flowing. So if you're Miami, naturally you would think the kryptonite would be to slow down that flow. And, and we talked about it. They made life very difficult on Jamal Murray. Uh, the refs obviously got involved a little bit, but that, that aside, they didn't give Jamal Murray space. Michael Porter Jr. was taking tough shots. That doesn't help you build confidence. And I think, you know, we just talked about it earlier as well. I don't think Denver's won a game this postseason where Jokic has scored 40-plus 40, 40 points. The Nuggets are at their best when Jokic has a 25-point triple-double, 14 boards, and 11 assists. That's when they're at their best, and everybody's getting a piece of the action. So I do think it was an effort on Miami to force Jokic to score as the first option. Make it so that passing was going to be a little bit more difficult than it was in Game 1 and give Jokic the opportunity to beat them as a scorer. I do agree uh, that that was part of the game plan as well for Miami in Game, in game 2. A couple numbers here for you. Uh Nikola Jokic had 14 assists in game one, but he only had 17 potential assist opportunities. So Denver basically, they, they took everything that they, they could from those assist opportunities. In game two, 11 potential assists, uh, where he, he created a shot that then was either made or missed and, and then only had four assists on that front. So not as many 
converted assists this time around. When I saw that number, you see the lower potential assists and you see the lower actual assists. To me, that does reflect kind of both sides of the coin here where, yes, the Miami Heat tried to turn him into more of a scorer. They tried to prevent him from getting the rest of the offense going. And they did that by pressuring Jamal Murray as much as they did and also kind of sagging off uh, or like they, they stuck a little bit to to KCP and MPJ. They didn't try to give the open opportunities there. But you also saw Denver miss the few opportunities that they had in, in, in those moments, particularly MPJ, uh, just not uh, as ready to go on the assist front as they probably needed to be. 23 total assists for Denver compared to 13 turnovers. That's a worse ratio than what they're used to. Uh, I, I thought that Miami, there, there were still great things that Denver did on the offensive end, particularly with Jokic as a scorer, but they aren't at their apex when Jokic is in this mode. So not a surprise to me that this is what happened. And, and I'm very curious to see how Denver handles it going forward. Yeah, and to use kind of a baseball analogy here, it's like, you know, you got a guy who loves to hit fastballs and you're going to throw him nothing but curveballs, you know, or a guy who loves to hit lefty so you bring the righty out of the bullpen. You know, you, you have to counter. And that's what Miami's counter was last night. Also putting Kevin Love into the starting lineup. You know, I thought that that, you know, displaced some of Denver's game plan um, on offense and defense a little bit and kind of how they attacked Miami. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm, it's a game of adjustments, you know, and, and I believe Michael Malone, the, the beauty of Nikola Jokic is he's a Swiss Army knife. We've seen him beat you with score. We've seen him beat you passing. Uh, we've seen him, you know, put up, you know, almost double digit boards, whatever it might be. So it's a game of adjustments. And, you know, we saw Miami try to adjust to game one. And we'll see how they adjust in game two. And you, you bring up the assists, you bring up the passing, the missed shots, whatever it might be. I mean, it, it was just – Denver had been playing so good for so long that I'm not surprised they finally had a stinker of a game. And I think trying to chalk it up to something finite, you can do it, but you're never going to get an absolute answer. You know, there's multiple sums here that add up to the whole. And I think, you know, to their credit, though, Miami's game plan of defending Jokic worked out last night. Here's a stat that I, I was – Kind of surprised about when I heard somebody tell it to me. Denver had won seven playoff games in a row. Like seven. Yeah, that's a lot. Like that's a lot. I was I was I kind mean, of crazed by that. I know you picked Nuggets in five, I want to say, against the Lakers. Like I think I was yeah. Nuggets in six. I, I forget exactly yeah. what it was. I was dumbfounded that they swept them. Shocked. Generally, I, I didn't think it was possible. I was like, you're telling me a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis healthy? You know, at home is going to lose four games in a row. Like, no way. And so it's just like, I don't want to say that the Nuggets have been over their head, but you brought it in earlier. I mean, they haven't faced, like, up until the NBA Finals, the most difficult competition that I think they almost had. You could have made the case with Minnesota. Seriously. And I just I, think I, that I'm going to, I'm going to nip that in the bud and say Devin Booker shooting like 80% in game three it. and four. That was, that was pretty frightening. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's just one of those situations, you know, where you haven't faced that adversity yet. You know, and I, I think I'm, I'm just not surprised by this. And I'm, I'm trying to come not calm Nuggets fans down because there's a lot of people that feel like the sky is falling. It's a, it's normal to have a stinker type of game. I think the thing that's questionable is the effort, which I know we've talked about. Yeah. We'll, we'll see whether that, that's probably going to bounce back. I, I mean, and like you yeah. talked about this, there, there are definitely things that can improve on that front, but, uh, I just, it's, it's just hard to, to think that Jokic is going to be held down as a passer going forward. Like, yeah. 14 assists in game one, four assists in game two, still averaging like, what is that, nine? Like, yeah. he's, he's going to be okay. Like, Den Denver's, he's probably going to get up to about nine or 10 going forward, and that's probably going to be where he lives. And if he has two more assists in this game, then Denver wins. That's just plain and simple. So, 
going to be okay. Um, Nuggets fans, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress too terribly much about this. And it's great to have this in game two versus having it in game five at home where you're like, Oh crap. Now we're down three, two right. going on the road. Right. So Denver, Denver can correct some things, I think. Let's talk about this one now. We, we talked about this a little bit in oh, the first boy. segment. I look, I believe in Jamal Murray. I believe in Nikola Jokic. I think that those guys have earned plenty of credit, plenty for the benefit of the doubt. I think that Aaron Gordon is what he is. He's an elite role player who sometimes is going to provide scoring. Sometimes like he's going to provide great defense. I think that KCP is an elite role player. He's going to provide mostly shooting and great defense. I think he was down last night, but he'll be better. Michael Porter, was, we're still trying to figure out because – there are times where it should have been relatively easy for him to make an impact last night, I think. I, I, I honestly believe that a matchup with Kevin Love should have been something that he was prepared for. And he just wasn't. And I think that Kevin Love was a plus 18 in 22 minutes last night. And a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it was on MPJ and, and to an extent KCP uh, for just odd decisions and, and odd choices. And yeah. I just... I. Not really sure what Nuggets fans can expect from MPJ right now. It's it's a little bit of a mystery. Um, you know, we, we've seen Jamal have bad games, and he's kind of got that, for lack of a better phrase, that dog in him to come back the next game and, you know, kind of right his wrongs. Like, And I saw, like, I forget who was talking about. I saw on social media, like, oh, MPJ's body language wasn't good. It wasn't good, but MPJ's body language, like, never looks good. Like, I've seen yeah, him very so mellow. He's, yeah. he's not, he's not an emotional dude. Exactly. And so it's like, I don't make too much of, of the way that he carried himself on and off the court because even when he's playing well, I feel like we've seen him look like he's disengaged, even though that he's not. You know, and you brought up the point just a moment ago, Ryan. You know, you can trust Nikola Jokic. You can trust Jamal Murray on a night in, night out basis. Sure, maybe they have an off night, but odds are they're going to bounce back. We've seen that time and time again. And Michael Porter Jr., in my opinion, is the the wild card, right? He he has the ability, like, you know, if you played like Yu-Gi-Oh! as a kid or Pokemon, like there's like those special ability cards. Like when Michael Porter Jr. is on, he takes this team to a completely different level, especially right. when that mixes in with Jamal Murray being on and everybody, you know, the whole nine. And I think the Nuggets can still win this series if Michael Porter Jr. struggles in some capacity. He just can't struggle like he did last night, where he was a, a net negative on both the offensive and the defensive side of the ball. You and I were just talking about that earlier about, you know, okay, if you're not making shots, buy in on defense. And that's been the, the biggest sense of praise for Michael Porter Jr., uh, you know, over the last handful of this season, being that he really is bought in defensively. And, and that had kind of been the question mark for him moving forward in his career, going back to the end of last year, coming back from the injury. And I don't know what to make it. You know, I, I guess we can give him the benefit of the doubt because the body of work has been there over the course of the season, but you can't have that moving forward. And, and look, it's they didn't lose game two just because of Michael Porter Jr. It was a collective effort. But when Michael Porter Jr. plays the way that we know he can, he just takes his team to another level where the opposing team just kind of has to tip their cap. And, you know, they need to see him get back to that specifically from beyond the arc and buying in on defense if they want to right their wrongs in game three. As Jeff Green said post game, it's the bleeping NBA Finals, man. Like, yeah. you, you've got to be locked in, and and to me, it just shows how different he was from game one to game two, and how locked in he was. And I could I can forgive the threes, like that's that's going to be fine. Right. But you can't let your defense waver. And, and I thought that he kind of set a bad tone in in game one, if I'm or in game two, if I'm being honest, just. 
I don't think yeah. Denver ever fully recovered. And, and there, there was questions as to whether they would close with MPJ. And the only reason that I think they did at, at the end, although they tried to bring back in Bruce Brown and I thought they, they made some hay there. The only reason was KCP got into foul trouble. So yeah. we will see. One more before we hit another break here. Uh, Miami's three point shooting. It's, it's been crazy. Um, 33% only in game one, 48% in game two. I saw the shot quality chart that was posted that basically said, oh, yeah, they should have scored about 98 points based off of the shot quality that they were generating. And they they outperformed by that to the extreme. Uh, Denver also outperformed their shot quality, but they like it, it was drastic in, in how much better Miami was on that end. They, they were just ready for the moment a little bit more. Uh, my question to you, do you think Miami's three-point shooting will cool off or is this just, this just who they are? Because it feels like this has been who they are. They're a feast or famine team, you know, and, and that's the dynamic is a lot of those shots just didn't go in in game one. They went in in game two. You know, it's a little bit of regression to the mean, you know, obviously on the two extremes of game one versus game two in that sense. And now you find yourself kind of in the middle if you add them all up. And it's an interesting question because they've got guys, and this is where you got to give credit to that heat culture. I mean, Gabe Vincent, you know, some of these guys that are just journeyman type of players that get to this location under Spolstra, under Pat Riley, you know, Jimmy Butler, where they just kind of have that edge to him. And that's the thing is after that game one loss, they weren't really, you know, Jimmy was confident. Spol was confident. You know, they, they weren't shook after a game one loss. And so it's hard to say because. It's just a matter of if they go in or not. You know, one thing that you talked about is, you know, the, the expe- I forget how you, the, the statistic that it is, but, you know, some shots that went in that maybe shouldn't over there were contested. Um, I would expect them not to shoot 48% from three. I, I, I think that would come down, but you always have to be in the back of your mind if you're the Nuggets, if you're Michael Malone, that these guys are going to make tough shots. And, and, you know, does Tyler Hero play, who's arguably their best three point shooter at times as well? You know, that's, a, that's another kind of joker card that they have on their bench that they might be able to pull out, you know, if they want to utilize that, depending on how he's feeling as well. So I would expect it to drop down, but I don't think Denver can bank on winning this series by Miami missing shots. They're going to have to do their part as well. We will see what happens, but tell you what, let's take another break. When we come back, we're, we're going to talk about the miscues defensively, just kind of where Denver can get a little bit better. And then if this is actually a blip on the radar or not, or if this is just a sign of things to come for the rest of the series, should be very interesting. But we will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. we're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the pod. If you can, give this a like on the YouTube side. Uh, subscribe to the MHS YouTube channel. You know we're all, always pushing out great content over there. And if you're listening on the radio, thank you so much for tuning in to Anilo and Cody. Uh, maybe we'll do this again. Maybe maybe we'll find other opportunities to, to try to uh, spice it up and create some interesting content, uh, turning the podcast into radio stuff. I think there's there's plenty of opportunity there for sure, uh, but I'm joined by Anilo Piro on, on here. And if, if you're on the if you're on the radio side, you're probably thinking, Ryan, you're joining Anilo. That's that's just how this works. So uh, we'll, we'll 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 cross average when we come to it, but should be should be very fun. Um, 
Last segment here for us. I wanted to talk about the miscues uh, and, and what the Nuggets were doing on the defensive end because it didn't feel like they were ready. And I, we talk about – I don't think that Michael Malone was outcoached in this one. That's not what I'm, I'm – I'm not here to push that. But for whatever reason, the Nuggets just did not perform up to their normal standard on the defensive end. And it, it felt like they weren't ready for a lot of what the, what the Heat were putting out there as shooters, where they were late on closeouts. They were late recognizing reaction, uh, just different actions. They were late reacting to the counters that the Heat were putting out there. It just felt like they were late the entire time and, and didn't really recognize what was going on. And then on top of that, they, Kill themselves over and over again by fouling. Like there's just a lot of, a lot of tough things that they were doing for, for whatever reason. So my big, big question here is like, is those are miscues, but are they, are they correctable? Will Denver correct that? I, I mean, I would hope so because that's not the brand of basketball that we've been used to seeing from them over the course of the season. I don't know if everybody just had a bad night of sleep or they were out or whatever it was, but it, it just looked like a team. You just hit the nail on the head. They were just disengaged late. Just playing sloppy, you know, and just not Denver Nuggets basketball. And, you know, the thing is, offense is a little bit, you know, good offense sometimes beats good defense in the league today. But defense is, is a lot more of an effort type of dynamic, right? Like, it requires you to put a body on somebody. It requires you to kind of think ahead. And I think that this was the type of game that it leaves that sour taste in your mouth. And I think, obviously, Malone's not going to let it go. He kind of ripped into them a little bit after game one as well. I do think these are correctable, you know, issues that they can fix. You know, we talked about Michael Porter Jr. kind of sagging off, um, you know, these other guys as well. And I, I expect Denver to put forth the necessary effort on defense and whether or not the shots go in because of how good Miami is at shooting the ball. You know, that remains to be seen. But as it pertains to game two, I think a lot of those Miami looks um, or scoring opportunities were presented or generated off of lackadaisical defense from Denver. So I personally believe that they'll bounce back in some capacity. And I think combine that with the fact that Miami's not going to hit 50% of their threes moving forward consistently either. Um, but obviously, you know, we have to be in wait and see mode because we can talk about it. It's just a matter of, you know, seeing is believing. So we'll see if they travel well to Miami. A good example of that lax defense in my mind, uh, there was a sequence in that fourth quarter between Bruce Brown and Christian Brown. On, on the left side of the court where they're trying to defend an action. It's called delay action. It's what, it's what, uh, JJ Reddick made some good references to this on his pod. Uh, Bam Adebayo's at the top and you have Duncan Robinson, I'm pretty sure, as one of the options. And then there was another, another heat shooter, just like obviously an elite, whether it's Lowry, whether it's Vincent, whether it's Max Struess, doesn't matter. All those guys, you have to treat them as, hey, uh, flashing red light, kind of right. like, hey, you can't let those guys get o- get open from three. And so they run the same action where they basically uh, curl around a screen, like two of those shooters are screening for each other. Duncan Robinson curls around the screen, and Christian Brown and Bruce Brown screw up the coverage on two separate occasions. The first time, Bruce Brown tries to call for a switch. Christian Brown doesn't recognize it. Wide open three point shooter as a result in the left corner. Next time down, Bruce Brown and Christian Brown, they try to exchange that as well. Christian Brown seeing the same action. He anticipates a switch. Bruce Brown doesn't switch this time. And then it's a wide open curl to the basket for Duncan Robinson. He finishes a layup over the top of Jeff Green on the weak side. A clear, clear as day miscommunication between those two guys where one guy was doing one thing, the other guy was doing another, 
as a result, it's five easy points and the Nuggets lost by three. So you, you have to be able to tighten those things up. It's the NBA finals and whatever you end up deciding to do, whether it's switching or trying to stay attached, whatever, like you can't just like, you can't have guys on different pages. You've got to understand that this is, it's going to bite you. Yeah. And I mean, I just can't believe we're even having this conversation because it's like how you just explain the switching. Like that sounds like such an early season, regular season dynamic. It is. And, and like, that's where I struggle to figure out like why this happened. Malone is very intense. Malone preaches his message. Maybe it's falling on deaf ears. Like I said, maybe they were out late. I, I, I just, I can't justify Christian Brown, Christian Brown. Like I mean, that, that's me. That, that was a, it was a very, like, cause we talked about Bruce Brown and Christian Brown being pretty good in, in this game as a whole. And they, they certainly weren't the issues, but it does extend to just about everybody. It's not just, it's not just the starters. Like I talked about it's It's not just the bench. It is everybody, and, and yeah. I just don't think the team was ready for it for whatever reason. And it's just not acceptable. Like, like, and I know we're not playing on the team, but it's like, I mean, they've been ready in like every game up until this point. And it's sure. like, you're at the point, like, this is what you work for. <laughs> you're in the NBA finals. You're three wins away from being champions. And I agree. I mean, the energy that Uncle Jeff put out last night is proper. Just, it's the fucking finals. Like, like just nonchalant, pissed off, like, what the fuck, guys? Like, that's kind of like the way that he was displaying himself or, you know, about the energy around the team. Excuse my French. Um, oh, I'm going to have to have Danny bleep that out. So I'm going to let him know. <laughs> yeah, that was you are. 4426, Danny, <laughs> for you listening back there. Apologies. Um, but it's one of those situations where I just don't know what to make of it. And, and I, I just have to believe that they're going to look themselves in the mirror and come back and play better defensively in game three. And I think that's the only take to have myself because we know what they're capable of. It's just a matter of doing it. We will see whether they actually end up doing it. The last thing I want to leave out on is this. Uh, is this a blip on the radar? Is this something that because we just talked about, this is a... This is an abnormal occurrence for Denver. They've been prepared for these moments all the way up through this moment in the NBA Finals. But the Miami Heat, they make teams do weird things. Milwaukee was just completely out of sorts by them. New York never had a shot against Miami, even though they they took them to six. Uh, and then Boston just, just turned into a pumpkin over and over again and got down 3-0 as a result. They were ultimately able to force a game seven, but then they turned into a pumpkin again. So... Uh, my question, like, this is just kind of what Miami does to teams in a lot of ways. Is it, is Denver going to be able to recover from that or is this a sign of things to come? I think they'll recover. And, and look, Miami's a great team. Spolster's probably the best head coach right now in the NBA, if not one of the top three for sure. Uh, Jimmy Butler's a dog. They've got scrappy players that play for each other. Bam Adebayo's played well too. I, I want to make that clear. Like, he, in the first game, good. he, made the shots that he was supposed to make and it didn't really make a difference. But this one, he also made more shots and then made some good defensive plays. Yeah. And like he, he hit clutch free throws last night too. It was very, very important. Yeah. And I agree. He, he's been fantastic. And I, I just don't think it's a sign of things to come. And, and this is the beauty of basketball or baseball hockey where you have a series, right? It's not like the NFL where it's one game and you're done. Uh, I just think that this Denver team, I know that they've quote unquote lost home court advantage. They're tough to beat in a seven-game series, you know, and, and I, I have belief that they'll be able to figure it out, steal a game or two on the road in Miami. I think Denver is the better team on paper and with the dynamics. Uh, more continuity, I feel like, with this team as well. And and like I said, I think that this is the the gut punch that they kind of needed to kind of get them back up, that bad taste in their mouth. 
that you remember. You know, it's been so long since Denver had kind of been beaten down like that. I mean, you go back to Phoenix, but that was on the road. They haven't lost at home in a couple of months. They hadn't lost at home until last night in the playoffs. Sometimes you got to get knocked down and get back up. And I think that's exactly what that game two loss was for Denver. They're the better team. They're the more talented team. Jokic is Jokic. I think Jamal doesn't play like that. I think Michael Porter Jr. You know, gets his head on straight. And I hope the bench continues to play well. But if this team plays like we know they can, no, this is not a sign of things to come. And if they take this seriously, which they should, and recognize the moment of being in the NBA Finals, I think they bounce back and figure out a way to put their best foot forward uh, in Game 3 and beyond. Denver had won their previous nine home games in the playoffs. This is the first one that they've that they've lost. Uh, this is a very abnormal thing. They've gone into every series that they've played so far up 2-0. And that's a, a massive, massive deal, of course, when, you, when you're trying to win playoff games and you're, and you're trying to win, win a series. It puts the other team in a really difficult spot. So now Denver's the team that, that has to have the pressure on them now. They haven't had a ton of pressure on them, I don't think, in these playoffs, but the NBA Finals. This is where it's where diamonds are made. That's, that's that's what the pressure's all about, right? Like this is how it's how this stuff generally goes. You you don't want to just say that Denver had an easy road. Like they they they're gonna have to work for it, and they have worked for it, and they will continue to have to work for it. And that's just gonna be how it is. But Denver needed this wake up call. I I really do think that you're right about that, and that they they weren't ready to go. And if you're not ready to go in game three, then maybe you didn't deserve to be the champion in the first place. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, and it's hard to sweep. I, I, I think the Lakers series maybe got some people, I don't want to say a little delusional, but like that was that's not normal, you know? And, and to, to beat Phoenix in the manner in which they did, to beat Minnesota in the way in which they did, like it's been surprising the lack of adversity that they faced. And, and here's the reality. We're not talking about the 2017 Warriors. Is Denver a good team? Yes. They're not like that. They're not the 72-win Bulls, right, where, where they have that pedigree. I didn't expect Denver to steamroll their way to a championship. And I think the fact that they faced as little as adversity as they did on the way, you, you knew it was coming at some point. And maybe it's self-inflicted with the bad play in game two. Um, but, you know, Denver is going to have to work, and they're going to have to put their best foot forward. I'm confident that they do that. Um, you know, But in, in synopsis, I think it's a good gut check for them moving forward. How many times did Michael Jordan or LeBron James sweep in the finals? Like, I don't think that they Oof. ever have. I don't think LeBron has never. LeBron's been swept twice, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah. Um, I don't think Jordan ever swept anybody because I know he went to, I know he's never been to a game seven in the NBA finals, which is just incredible. And I That's think incredible. Sure. Great. Ne- imagine that. Never going to a game seven. It's insane. Um, but I mean, like, I even look, like, what are some recent champions? Like, I, like, I was thinking back, like, 1999, like, the Spurs lost a game to the Knicks. Granted, that was in Madison Square Garden game three. Um, you know, but think back to, to recent memory. I mean, it's it's not uncommon for these teams to – like, I forget. What was the final with Milwaukee and Phoenix? Was that a six-game series? Yeah, it was a six-game. And, and so uh, Phoenix won the first two, and then Milwaukee won the next four. Correct. You know what I mean? It's just – and I think you said it right. This is not game five. You didn't lose game five at home, and now you gotta, you're got you down 3-2, right? This is game two, 1-1, one, one, home court advantage is maybe a little bit nullified, uh, but you still got two games ahead of you moving forward where you can kind of make up for lost ground. So just just to be clear here, Jordan was – he never swept. Uh, the Chicago Bulls never swept. They were – they won each of their 96, 97, 98 series 4-2. Uh, they won against the Lakers 4-1 in a 91. Nice start. Uh, which is that was the start of it, but uh, then they won four two and four two. So like they they've 
gone to six games in every single series outside of the first yeah. one. So it's even the Warriors, I think, only swept one of their finals. Yeah, that was that's that the was, that was that was against LeBron, but it was also like the year that Kyrie had had left. So the, right. the, there's a lot there. And like Denver, I think they have opportunities here to recover, to bounce back. Sometimes you need to be punched and, and sometimes you need to get kicked into gear a little bit. And that's just that's what they're that's we're gonna see. We're we're gonna see whether that is the ultimate thing that got them in gear or if it's the sign of them of them crumbling. I don't think it's that. I think they're going to get into gear because I've seen this team throughout this entire season and really throughout their entire run here over the course of these last five years. Like they, they have what it takes. They have the juice and, and we're going to find out whether they can, whether they can come back from this or not. We shall see, my friend. I'm excited for it. You know, it's been a good time being down at the cam with you. And I know you're on the road to Miami. I believe you leave uh, tomorrow morning, if I, I uh, remember correctly. So I do. you got to get me a Cuban sandwich, not for me to bring home, but just promise me you'll eat at least one Cuban sandwich because they're delicious and nobody makes them better than them down there in Miami. So enjoy it, my friend. Have a good time on the beach. Hopefully some winning basketball for the home team as well. The home team is in Denver, not the Miami. We will see. Uh, we got it. We got to take the show on the road and going to have some great content out there no doubt in my mind but i'm looking forward to the experience and i i really appreciate mile high sport for sending me out of course uh great stuff from us here thank you so much everybody for listening on anilo and cody and on the youtube side of things and on the audio side of things where you can find pickaxe and roll wherever you get your podcasts uh for anilo and myself we really appreciate all y'all thank you so much for tuning into the show appreciate all the love and support As always, we'll talk to you guys very soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.